What is going on everyone? Mike here with the Turntable Teachers and class is back in session. I hope everyone's doing well and had an awesome summer. Uh, in case you missed it and haven't really been following us in the last couple of weeks, we've officially partnered with the Right Mind brand founded by Lowell, Massachusetts hip-hop artist Jay Faith. Basically, our goal with this is to provide resources for those within the music industry. So whether you're an artist, a producer, an engineer, a promoter, podcaster, uh, our goal is to provide information for all experience levels. So whether you're a beginner or you've been in the game for years, uh, we're basically trying to help anyone improve their craft. On regardless of what they're doing and you know we're going to be executing this in a form of blog posts on our website and various podcast episodes much like the one that you are about to hear today and uh, we focus on specific topics that in skills within the music industry we hope that you find them engaging and helpful if you are listening to the audio of this episode just make sure you realize that we have a full video uh, on youtube for this episode which kind of shows which is a little bit uh, more uh, interactive and engaging so uh, if you have if you're not driving or anything like that and have a chance go check it out on uh, YouTube the link is going to be in the description of this this podcast episode uh, this episode is going to be a lot different than some of the episodes that I've done in the past um, it's basically really hard right now to be talking about the music industry without talking about how the pandemic has impacted the music industry as a whole and I wanted to shed light on the problems that the music industry is facing from really a business perspective. Within this episode, I'm going to be sharing multiple resources and articles that I've been researching, but I've also sat down and interviewed numerous different people within the industry, so that's artists, managers, promoters, etc., to kind of find out how they've been impacted by the pandemic and also how they've transitioned and adapted during this time. So throughout this episode, you're going to be hearing clips and sentiments from different people that I have profound respect for and really gave me a lot of insight and knowledge into how the pandemic has really affected the industry as a whole. And I've broken this episode down into four different segments. Uh, the first is gonna be how the industry has changed as a result of COVID-19, marketing and networking tips for artists in this climate, ways in which artists have adapted their strategies to promote and share their music and also their brand, and then how fans can help support artists and venues during this time, which I think is maybe the most important of the four here, especially if you're a fan of music, if you're listening to this episode coming from a fan's perspective. And my goal, like I said, is to really shed light on how the pandemic has affected the music industry and the people within it, but to also highlight some of the fallacies that have you know, kind of been established in the industry as a whole and led to a lot of these issues. And, and my hope is that if you're a fan of music, uh, you know, after this, you kind of have a better understanding of the difficulties that artists inevitably face in sustaining themselves in this climate. And also, if you're an artist, uh, you know, that you were able to find some tips and strategies through this episode to continue to grow your brand and audience. I want to start by introducing Tyler Donovan, a music manager, and the China Blue, a Rhode Island alternative pop artist, two people that I got the chance to talk to and that gave me some unique perspective on the industry really as a whole take a listen and like in a weird sense but i would say like this applied before covid like the industry is kind of weirdly built now where you're releasing a song for streaming to people for people to consume it basically for free and your merch 
it, you're basically using that song to promote like your merch and other things, which like I hate viewing it like that, but that's just the way the industry is built right now. So I think it's up to artists to come up with like, that's why I say like building their world, like whether it's merch, whether it's other things like a documentary, like that's where we can all be creative and hopefully people want to consume that content. But yeah, it's, it's tough. It doesn't sit well with me either, knowing that either, you know, yeah. being good. But it, it is true. Like, oh, you're I'm making sorry. like, like I've had my, I worked in another uh, duo project. We had like 100K streams on one of our songs, Killer, on Spotify. That gave me 80 bucks. So like, it sounds like, like horrible to say, but that's just not, <laughs> like that's not enough. Like there needs to be something else no. for like an artist to sustain themselves. Yeah, and I think there's a big gap there too though. Like um, it all, I know that via YouTube, like this is the only way I can relate because I don't know exactly what they call it on Spotify. I'm assuming it's just pay per stream. Um, but I know on YouTube, like they have this thing called CPM, which is like cost per minute. That's what it's called. And it's like cost per a thousand views. I'm sure Mike, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Um, and your CPM can vary. Yes. Depending on like the content that you give and especially how YouTube's super restricted now with these kid guidelines and stuff like that. Like back in the day, you could make videos swearing, doing whatever you want. You had people, YouTubers who were making like $7 per a thousand views. And that's like bananas when you're putting up 10 videos in two weeks and you're making, you're getting 3.4.5 million views a video. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's another thing is like probably with Spotify is like, it all depends on like your CPM in a sense, I would say. Um, Cause I know artists like um, that have made like hundreds of dollars off of like a hundred thousand streams. And I don't know, there's just this weird, this weird algorithm that Spotify has like that gives you probably that sort of CPM um, or like just estimates, whatever it may be. Um, yeah. So. Like I'm sure Spotify is like thankful Drake's on their platform and it's probably like, oh, for always sure, making yeah. sure he's like hooked up. You know what I mean? No, exactly. Yeah. And, and for it's smaller crazy. artists, yeah. it's, it's harder. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, Tidal is like the, I'm pretty sure Tidal is the one who pays the most and it's yeah. like almost one of the least used music platforms. Right. So yeah. it's, what, what does that, yeah, if like, you know, I, I, let's even call it a hundred thousand, like only a hundred thousand people are using title. I mean that, and like, I mean, I know Spotify gets like, like multi-million, I don't even know what the number is, but it's yeah. like yeah. somewhere close to maybe even like a billion users. Like it's that, it's a lot, yeah. the most, you know, used platform, but yeah. I have heard that, that Spotify actually gives up the least. As yeah. It's, it's, it's a crazy like um, algorithm and things because title, um, I looked at a stat the other day. It was like title per a thousand streams gives you like five hundred or seven hundred dollars, wow. or even, or even it might even be like fifteen hundred. It, it was something crazy. Like, and I was yeah. like, it's funny how like the most, um, it, and that's probably just honestly like cutting myself off. That's probably just being like a case of like being late to the game because Apple Music and Spotify were like already huge and like were like the two mainstream platforms and they were like covering the masses. And then like Jay-Z came in and was like, we got title, like we're gonna support our artists more. And I think that was a great thing for the music industry. I just wish that the platform was utilized more by people and outside. Cheaper. And cheaper. Is it how, I don't know how title It's the works. most expensive out of the three. Is, that's probably why they're paying their artists the most though, so. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess so with title and, and it's like Bandcamp too, like I wish, I wish those were two 
services that were pushed a little bit further, right? Like I just, yeah. those two along, I think those two platforms probably give you the most, again, like money per stream. And then the same, and then YouTube's a little bit interesting because like you, they use the CPM, like you're talking about Tyler, but then they also utilize like, it's the different ads. Like, I don't know if you notice when you go on a YouTube. Yeah. Um, like, like ones that are skippable, ones are not, ones that, uh, yeah. Yes, the, the skippable ones, I guess, uh, you make a little bit less money off the skippable ones. Mm -hmm. if they wanna put like, a, if they're gonna put like a legitimate full ad on there, like like a 10, 15 second one that you can't skip, that caught, that's, that's more money to you. But again, those are going to, you know, people that are getting the, the, the millions of views, like the, the tens of millions of views. It's not for like the little guys, you know what I mean? So it's- Yeah, exactly. So my first category is how the industry has changed since a result of COVID-19. There's a, uh, a quote that I found from Nico Sizoff, if I'm not mistaken, of how to pronounce his name. Uh, he's an artist manager that works within the electronic uh, music business. And he believes that a thinning of the herd, quote unquote, is inevitable. And he says, as the income for small artists disappears, a lot of smaller artists will have to start looking for day jobs, which will stop them from putting enough time into creative pursuits, he says. This will harm the music industry because creative progress and revolution always starts from the bottom, which which I agree, I couldn't agree more. And something that you know you just heard Tyler, myself, and the China Blue discuss was streaming and how streaming has sort of impacted the industry. Now it's been helpful because it's allowed more artists to get recognized and found. However, there's a flip side to this, which is not really indicative of helping artists. Uh, so in, for example, Spotify has 248 million monthly active users, and then 113 million subscribers within its paid user base, which is growing at, a, I guess, a 31% rate per year. And Spotify, believe it or not, uh, actually pays out the least as Tyler was uh, stating. Uh, and Tidal is actually one of those that actually pays the artist the most, but has the least user uh, usage, which with, with just about 3 million subscribers. Now, for me personally, as I've kind of done my research, I've noticed that platforms like Bandcamp and uh, more less so Tidal, but more so Bandcamp are great ways to actually support artists and support the artists directly which is so important and if you are a artist right now and, and you're kind of listening to this episode and you're unsure of how to monetize yourself a little bit better i think bandcamp is a great way i know that the user count on bandcamp is not exactly to what title is so bandcamp really to me is a is a platform that people i don't understand why it's not utilized more i mean i guess i kind of understand because like i said the user base is just not as much as spotify even like an apple music but they do really support the artists so much more than you know these other streaming services for sure and you know it's really sad to see that streaming has really kind of taken over the game and really for artists revenues really were coming from playing live shows and now COVID has kind of taken that away and I was it was interesting because I was reading up on an article uh, in the an Esquire called coronavirus might kill the music industry again I'm going to link everything that I looked into I'm going to link it all in the description of this episode so if you want to further read or listen to any of these uh, you know, these testimonies or read these articles, definitely check them out. They'll all be linked. But uh, in the last two decades, this is a, a quote from the, the article, from the Esquire article. In the last two decades, touring has supplanted record sales. 
as the way artists make a living. Streaming has upended the economics of an industry that was built upon selling records. And 14 years after Spotify was founded, the numbers still don't really add up. Streaming companies pay only a fraction of a penny per play. And depending upon the specifics of the deals uh, signed, most of that money, sometimes as much as 80%, flows directly to the record labels, leaving the artist with a slim slice of a modest pie. Physical sales, meanwhile, are in decline, and other means of income like merchandise sales are undependable. It's a volume game, and only the top artists generate enough streams to support themselves. So I found this to be very eye-opening and very profound. I mean, I guess it makes sense, but if you are coming from a consumer's perspective, you're not really thinking about these things. At least these weren't things that I was always considering uh, as a just a consumer of music. But the article also features uh, Angie McMahon, who is a UK singer and songwriter, and she has uh, and there's a quote about her uh, her experience in this that I, I wanted to share with you guys too. And again, if you want to listen to, uh, if you want to, excuse me, read the article, definitely check out the full article. But it says at the time of writing, uh, writing a new record uh, with a still new enough record, McMahon is averaging more than a million streams per month, which is which is awesome. Uh, but going by the publicly available numbers on its payment model. That would, if we assume the most generous figures, equate to thousands of pounds every month. Her label takes a chunk of this. Her deal is much more generous than most. But for now, McMahon doesn't see a penny because she's still recouping her advance. In more normal times, live shows would be the only way for her to earn enough to eat. So, man, it's it's crazy. So when you think about the industry really has been live shows for the last decade or so since streaming became you know really at the forefront and i think that it's really been exposed in a sense the industry with covid because no shows artists don't get paid and us fans don't get as much music because the artists aren't incentivized enough to create music and and then perform it it's it's really it's sad um tyler had a little bit more interesting uh insight on this on, on kind of new ways to promote yourself and also uh, fellow music manager Charlie Gendron uh, detailed to me how some smaller label labels and artists might try to combat these issues and kind of make up for some of the lost streaming. To answer that question, basically, um, in business terms, a lot of people are like labels and stuff are like trying to figure out new ways to promote music without spending like a ton of money. Um, obviously, on promo, like you still have to invest in stuff like that. But you can see a lot of labels are kind of cutting back on certain things and and just like being able to like try to save money given like the circumstances with like the economy and how it's going right now um it's just like any other market really um but uh i think it's also like this is just my hot take on it but um i think that a lot of people are trying to find new ways for promo and i think obviously recently TikTok, like given like the whole besides like the ban or whatever that's going on with like the whole country that's happening um I think that like TikTok kind of blew up over COVID too. Like it was like obviously on the bigger end of things, like right before COVID. Um, but I think when quarantine hit, like TikTok and music kind of just like really blew up together. And you see these artists, like for example, like Joseph Black, like Powerful, like these guys who are like had somewhat of a little bit of an audience, but TikTok really took them to that next level and got them to sign those like major label deals. So um, in terms of business, like it's really being affected in kind of both ways, like some good and some bad. So yeah, I'm Charlie Gendron. Um, I manage a few producers, EDM. Um, it's been a little difficult lately um, with the concerts and all that. Um, I know from other managers that um, manage upper 
like more well-known managers. That's how they make most most of their profit, and um, it's just been really hard for them to actually make some income because obviously on streaming services and all that you make absolute dog crap. So um, it's been pretty hard for all these artists to make an income. Um, but I mean, merch is actually something you can use during COVID right now. Um, but honestly, my artist is still building a brand. So as they said, social media marketing uh, has really become the new way to promote literally anything. And music is no different. Some people who have never done it before, regardless of age, are now kind of being forced to transition to social media as the new promotional method. Ned Wellberry, who is the founder and owner of Leeds Edutainment, one of the biggest show promoting agencies in the Boston area, expands a bit on Tyler's comments as well as the state of shows. Take a listen. Well, it's changed. Uh, <laughs> uh, changed a lot over the last uh, six months. I, uh, I started off as uh, I'm an independent hip hop promoter, so I, I started off throwing shows at the Middle East mainly mostly underground hip-hop shows, like uh, 200 to 500 capacity. Uh, I did that for probably about 16 years at, at three shows. Um, you know, I dabbled, um, you know, I, I did, you know, I, w along with that, I also managed artists. I, you know, had a record label. I put out music. I produced records, executive produced records. I've, uh, I've done a little of this and a little of that, uh, jack of all trades. So, but over the last six months since COVID, you know, COVID took out all the, the shows. So what I've been doing is I've been getting into music marketing and uh, helping artists market their music and getting that out there uh, worldwide. Uh, I've been studying a bunch of good techniques with, on social media that's been helping people really create fan bases. So that's been working out pretty well. Now I want to transition to Hero the MC and Keith 240, who are two Roxbury, Massachusetts artists who always loved performing and had many plans to grow through live shows, but now they had to really learn more and grow through the industry in other ways without live shows. Hear what they had to say. We started bars, I, I told you about bars were bars. It's kind of, it was originally thought of as this platform to, to throw shows for, to throw free shows for artists who deserve it, to never charge them, to, to just they just got to be real and authentic and keep it real and it's, it was also a platform to give promo to the artists who deserve it you don't got to pay for it but you got to be good you know we're not going to charge you $30 to repost something and it's going to get 10 likes since that's fucking pointless um like some people try to charge me to do <laughs> but um we just we wanted to throw shows and we wanted to bring, we wanted to show Boston that you couldn't have real live shows and they can be good and it doesn't have to be a money hungry promoter contest. Um, not having those shows sucks, but you can get very creative. We got a show in a sneaker store next week. We're bringing our own sound. You know, we got plans to throw shit in parks and subways and everything. We just want, and it's all content. And even if nobody shows up, we got the live stream. We got the videos, we got the photos, and that's content for people. And if they push that content like it's the coolest picture ever, then they'll go far. Two things. So for myself, as we talked about, I'm just doing a um, kind of getting a uh, new perspective, trying something new, learning, teaching yourself, teaching yourself a skill. I've been reading books. Um, one, I've been reading Gary Vee's Crushing It. 
Um, and that's more so like just some business and like how to brand yourself on that side. But then I've been reading, uh, I don't quite know the name of the book, but it's like every, basically the abbreviated name I'm gonna give right now, everything you need to know about the music industry, right? And I've been reading through that, kind of just learning more on the technical aspect of music because you know everybody knows like oh you put the music out on spotify you get paid but i'm like trying to teach myself about mechanical licensing sync sync licensing um all of the important key elements that the record label or a, a record label would take care of for artists so just learning that type of stuff to kind of really kind of well verse myself when i do get to a point where like i am really need in need of uh, publisher I know what are the average percentage of the publisher would take from me or if or like or, or what they're doing because a lot of people don't understand that like like something I learned is like you have the with the record the record label owns the actual recording of music and the publisher wrote owns the composition of music so there's two streams of like income coming from the song that if you're an artist signed to record label and a publishing that you don't own so the next segment of this podcast is going to be marketing and networking tips for artists in this climate. So in the previous segment, Ned from Leeds discussed his role as being a music marketer now. And in this next segment, I want you to listen to, he's now utilizing Facebook and Instagram advertisements to target potential new fans. I do a lot with the uh, Facebook and Instagram uh, advertising. Um, if you do it correctly, and, it, and it's tricky too, not everybody can figure it out. And it took, it's taken me a long time to figure it out, but you know, what I, you know, with Facebook and Instagram uh, advertising, you can target anything and market to anything. So instead of being, um, you know, for years, it was tough for artists if they didn't fit a certain style of hip hop to really get themselves out there. But with these techniques that I've learned, you can really target anything you want and be successful. You can be your own niche, and it's it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Um, so yeah, that that's been really I'd say that, that helping artists with their you know Facebook and Instagram advertising, and you get and you get to see real results. You can see people engaging. It's real people. It's not like uh, you know fake bots and stuff like that. It's it's real things and real fans, because that's like the most important thing. If you're an artist, that's where you, creating a fan base is the most important thing you can do. It's where all, all your power lies. You know, people book you for shows because you have a fan base that's going to come out. You know what I mean? people interview you because you have a fan base it, it's that's the most important thing so i've been really working with artists trying to build those uh, on the ground level so this method is great if you have money to invest in ads and actually fully understand how they work uh, and if you know like who and where to target uh, you know you can find numerous resources out there um, to learn how to best utilize them i have used these advertisements in the past but again it's, it's a little bit difficult because you have to have money to make money in a sense, right? So, you know, forking over ad money every week might not be in your budget potentially. And, you know, because marketing really is, at essence is vital to monetize, especially, you know, through your merchandise and your brand. And, you know, so even if you don't have the money, you know, necessarily, you can try other ways. And Tyler actually provides uh, some more unique perspective about this. Just being able to give people a product that like is different than a, a normal t-shirt or like a normal sweatshirt like you know you see these people like just like carelessly like even big time people like in the industry like just carelessly like making merch and like not even like putting in investing money into designers who can actually like create something that somebody would love to wear regardless if they knew it was 
a, like say we'll just use Drake because like I but I, I love his stuff but I'm saying like we'll just use Drake as a name because he's like a A1 tier like A-list celebrity like say he didn't invest like money into his merch and it's like you want to be able to wear something that you know like could not even be Drake's like you want to be able to have to wear it around so that's just my hot take on that and also I think that another thing is just like get your stuff out there like get your music out there there's so many musicians who songs have gone absolutely crazy absolutely viral get like amazing cosigns from artists like Rihanna and things like that that literally they didn't even want to release so you never know who's going to resonate with your song and how your song is going to do so um we're kind of getting to a point where it's just like release it like let it out like let it sit organically if it reaches people it does and if it doesn't it doesn't and we move on to the next song so um just just for advice for artists is getting your stuff out there um utilizing all the social media platforms you can um that's a huge thing now especially given like the state of the internet in 2020 um and how much it impacts your career um and just like gems like that you know so D- dm random podcasts that have playlists that uh <laughs> exactly like exactly. Random, random small podcasts that have little cult followings get to, you know what i mean like exactly <laughs> yeah yeah we've actually been big into the cold email game and like random dms like like for example um seth <laughs> seth will send me like instagram dms of like He'll be just scrolling through Instagram, like, oh, this magazine, like this, like, and like, that's how I, uh, I think I, that's how I found you guys. And literally all I did was send a DM. Sometimes that's all it takes. And people don't understand that is like literally just being personable. And like, if you get, if you get turned down, what's the worst that can happen? They say no, like you move on. Like, so going, yeah. going off that for sure. I want to, I want to comment just being a publication. Right. And I think mm-hmm. this is good, good kind of note wherewithal for everyone don't just send a, a, a DM being like, yo, check out my song. Like, don't, exactly. don't send it like that. Like it's the phrasing is everything. Like, you know, you like just you example, like, you know, you introduced yourself, you introduced Seth and you were like, this is his new song. If you would, you know, or his most recent song, if, mm-hmm. you know, if you find any interest in it and throw it on your playlist, that'd be great. And like, got it done. So like, that's exactly. what I'm saying. Like you have to approach it in a way like, that you're actually trying to make a connection with the publication. If you just, again, like you don't understand how many DMs that like, you know, for artists, whether they want interviews or whether they want, you know, songs on the playlist, like, yo, like, let me get on your playlist. Like, that's not not the way to a- approach it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like you're saying, Tyler, in a more personable way, and you, I guarantee it'll it'll work. So if you're someone out there that's been like, well, I've done all the DMs, I've been DMing people, look at how you're DMing them, mm-hmm. and that might be part of it too. So just So again, a couple of things I wanted to touch upon. First, if you don't have money to spend right now on advertising or merch and products, you know, there's still plenty of ways that you can market yourself and network as Tyler and I in in that clip sort of alluded to. Uh, Personally, as a publication and a podcast, I just want to reiterate, you know, how to reach out to media outlets. I think that is really that in essence is important, Uh, maybe more important than reaching out at all is really how you do it. And uh, basically, I I find, you know, there's four things you want to keep in mind if you're an artist reaching out to a publication like us or, you know, whoever else it is. You want to try to find a way to stand out. Uh, You want to be articulate, courteous, and thoughtful in your message to this person or this publication. Uh, You want to show appreciation for what they do, or you want to do some combination of the three. So if you really show you know, the person that, you know, you are trying to reach out to for promotion or marketing or whatever it is, 
you know, you know, if you're showing one of those three things or a combination of those three things, you're more likely to get a response back, you know, versus just saying, hey, check out my song, right? That's like not really the best way to do it. It could work, but it's much easier to, you know, have a, a, a place of entry point if you are focusing on one of the three things that I just mentioned. Hear more about networking from Charlie. I think collaborating with other artists right now would be a really big thing. Um, it's always good to reach out to other artists and maybe create their fan, like have their fan base support you also. Um, those collaborations are a big thing right now. You know, you want to, as an artist, collaborate with podcasts, media outlets, and even other artists, as Charlie mentioned, you know, is that really that's essential for the process of growing your brand and really your whole audience. When you're passionate about something, like you do things for fun more than you do them for business. And I think that's like, is that kind of what you're going yeah, with? Like, exactly. You go, yeah. Exactly. Like more people that are passionate about exactly what they're doing are more willing to like, for example, if someone came up to you and like they were a smaller artist and they wanted a verse, like, and you like their music, but they couldn't afford your rate. Like the fact that you will love music and you're passionate about it, you may give him a verse for free and that like that kid may never forget that. Like, so there's things that just being able to have a, um, connection with somebody and build a relationship and network and that's a big part of the industry that just gets kind of it's like almost like a hidden gem people don't really understand that like I know the the people up top definitely understand that like they understand that the little things go a long way whether like you're showing up to a show and like the promoter who booked you like you bring him like a little gift basket or like a free piece of merch or whatever it is like he'll never forget things like that I know you had an experience like that like where um didn't you have an experience like that when you were doing opening for um somebody where you just like were personable you walked up to them introduced yourself told them like what you loved about them they'll never forget that things like that well yeah deal with people on a day-to-day -day basis that are 100 genuine like that they deal with people who are only involved in the business aspect of their lives and it's hard for them to connect with people on a genuine level yeah like so. and just yeah just like being nice like offering like what you have and being open to collaborate like even when it was like booking shows like I was just talking to like a promoter for months and he like liked my stuff and we played like a show for him and then eventually he was like hey do you want to open up for this international artist Dagny I was like yeah bet and then same thing like down the line it was the same promoter I was like hey I saw this band Fickle Friends is playing a show and he was like yeah I'll let you know and we got it but I think it was just like being available being nice like taking the time to like do that stuff like that's where the opportunities are just having conversations and yeah I know lastly I want to say one I know one artist that I work closely with he says that he always no even like well not not in these days but in, in the days that we had shows uh the artists that he was friends with and supported like in the particularly the Boston music scene that's kind of where he where he is so yeah always would buy a ticket even if he couldn't go so he'd always he'd always buy a ticket to the show to support even if he couldn't make the show so it's just yeah and, awesome. and people and people don't forget that yeah no that's the little things that go a long way I was watching something with uh Gary V the other day and oh. he was like He's like, he just gives gems left and right. Like he, it's, it's unbelievable. The guy, like the, the, the confidence and like the, the delivery of this man, like he can just give. And he was saying something like, um, if you had like a, a booking agent, send them like a basket, like a gift basket, like months after, 
um, like they book you for a show or whatever it was, or they help you book like an opening slot. Um, and just like be able to like be remembered was his thing. And um, that's kind of what we focus on here. Like with Seth is like having like a genuine connection with people and building these relationships and networking in a way that, you know, not many artists really care to do. And that's a big part of the game. And I think that's something that a lot of artists, managers, publications, like anybody will never forget. So that's, that's a huge thing to us. So when you're able to successfully network, you know, you'll be able to gather a few fellow creatives to work on projects and really you'll just help each other grow. It's really, you know, cross promotion is, is so important right now, I think, uh, you know, especially if you don't have money, right? So cross promotion is huge. Uh, Hero talks a lot about this, you know, with his Bars Over Bars community and what they've done to really create this network that, of artists that they use for a lot of their now live stream shows that they're doing. Take a listen. Um, you did the show, which was sick, with Jay Faith and Aristotle oh, Jones and, and Kemic and Amir Max. Tell me, tell me a little bit about that one, too, specifically. I asked seven artists to show up to that show, and the first seven artists said yes. And I could not have been more fucking excited. I got my favorite people on that show, and it was amazing. And even though the building cap was 10, so eight of us, a DJ, and the one staff member, that was it, no fans. It was definitely weird because when you're performing in front of nobody, there's kind of this subconscious thing where it's like, well, what the fuck? Like, why, why even put on my best show? But every single person there treated it like there were a million people there. And I, and I knew they were gonna because the people I asked are just genuinely talented, nice guys. Um, and damn, I love Kemic. Kemic is nasty. Jay Faith is in my top 20. Aristotle Jones can wrap me around a fucking body bag. Um, there's, there, I love Amir Max. No, I just, I'm just so thankful that I've met these people, including you over the last year that have just showed me that I'm not alone in this hip hop shit to want to, to want to push it and want it to be real and want it to be good. And it's, it's truly just for the love of this shit. Now the show, I mean, altogether we had a hundred people tune into the live stream, which is cool. You know, we're hoping those numbers go up, but Moving forward, I mean, I think bars or bars as a whole, we're just gonna live stream everything. It's just, it's just, it's just kind of a no-brainer at this point. It allows people who maybe don't want to go outside during a pandemic or don't want to go outside at all, like me on most days, to just, to just watch a fucking show. So Hero's sentiments there are a perfect segue to the next segment of this episode that we're going to be talking about, which is strategies. I want you guys to take a listen to China Blue on some networking strategies that he uses or he believes in. I mean, I've always been conscious of it as like an artist too. I've always wanted to like build up kind of like a world with my content, like kind of have stuff for people to absorb, like whether through music videos or whatever. But I feel like the emphasis is going to be more on that, like for artists to stand apart they need to develop their world. Like they can't just drop a song and play it live. Like, I think it's gonna be more into like multimedia content, like music videos, like short films, documentaries. Like I think there's gonna be way more of an emphasis on that and coming up with like visual content that people can consume like on their phones or whatever. I think that's gonna be the big emphasis if we can't play live. I think that's gonna be a challenge for artists. 
Yeah, that does seem like the challenge. I mean, I noticed as well, like I think uh, Twitch has been a little, has been used a little bit. I know that was more of a gaming service, more or less yeah. than it was, um, you know, until about, until the pandemic hit and now it's been more utilized as a platform for artists. I've seen that. I've seen Discord being used for like listening, yeah, yeah. things like that. So I think, um, and then obviously Audio Tree, as you mentioned, could be another, another solution. And I, I think it's, Tyler, I like what you're talking about because I think what it what it kind of comes down to, I think, is I don't know if maybe, you know, I don't think there's necessarily one right or wrong way to do this or anything like that. I think it's yeah. more about just being creative, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and trying to utilize as many of the platforms that are out there, uh, I, I think, for sure. But Exactly. And I think that, um, to just intervene real quick, I think that a lot of artists, you'll find a lot of new artists finding these creative ways to whether it was like, you know, for example, Tory Lanez with his quarantine radio and like things like that, like um, you'll find these new artists that start doing things like that, that, that find these new ways to have live shows regardless of having people there. And you'll find new artists that will pop up and kind of succeed through that route and will enter the mainstream media just because they were creative and like, and took advantage of the fact that this was a time where we could experiment and do different things um, in the music industry. And I think that you're going to see a bunch of new people like uh, rise to like mainstream media. So. So I love how the China Blue talks about building your own world. I think that's so important, you know, building a brand that goes past, you know, putting out music. That was, I think, something from what he said that I took away. Uh, also, visual content is vitally important, especially if live shows are postponed for even longer than the rest of this year. It could be well into 2021 before we go to another concert or see another show. And, you know, that could be very problematic in a lot of ways. And we'll get to that in a little bit later. But... Tyler adds that, you know, experimenting and taking risks, uh, th that will help you rather than hurt you, even if you don't quite see the results. And here's an example, a great example from Hero. The epitome of that. It's like, what if we all work together and just throw a cypher and have a good fucking time? And that's how I met Nick Loving, because he's kind of like the DJ there. And about a year ago, we did a Bars in the Park, and it was cool. It was I. Right. It was cool. Um, but I... I, we just wanted to do another one and, and we wanted to put real traction behind it. And we got over a hundred K views on it. And we just did another one bars in the basket. We want to do bars in the back seat next. That's going to be a cool one. Um, it's, it's just, it's just carrying that same message. It's just putting good hip hop out there, you know? Yeah. So what, so talk to me, tell me a little bit about like, what was like the, like the strategy behind the bars in the park thing? Like, were you just kind of doing it just to kind of have content or was it really, is it really like more of like a marketing thing and, and like something unique? Cause I, I feel like it's a unique, uh, unique concept. And I, I've not really seen a ton of people it, doing it. It, it, it I, I wouldn't say it's unique. I think it's just so, it's like, it's like a duh, why didn't I think of that? And I think that that's why stuff like that gets more traction than like professional music videos. Cause I dropped a music video for the wait, right? And Bars in the Park did much better than that. And it's because when you run ad content like that, stuff that's like, duh, that shit looks easy. Why don't I try it? Is, is much more well received than, well, I can't pay two grand for a video, you know? Me and Nick Lovin just went to the park and shot some shit with our phones and GoPros. I mean, that shit was free, you know? When we did it the first time, it was last August, and I was in a much different place. It, it was it was when I was starting to see this shit as how can I make it professional? And at that point, I was doing it just to get content out there. Um, but now it's like 
everything I drop and everything I do on Instagram has to be a reflection of who I am as a person, as a musician, as an artist, as a photographer, as, as a human being. And, and this exemplifies what I am. And I, and I put a large amount of ad content behind it. And I just, I just, I love it. And Nick Lovin did such a good job. And I, it's, it's just, it's awesome. Bars in the park, Nick Lovin on the beat. So a lot of really dope information and sentiments from Hero, uh, the MC on this one. Something as simple as him and Nick Lovin are doing bars in the park, that can be effective. You don't really need to have this entire production team, as he mentioned, right? Or, or to, to make quality content. It just has to be authentic. You have to, you know, target the right audience. And past that, Hero mentions that you don't need to go out and spend a crazy amount of money. You know, regardless of how you what you do or how you do it, creativity at the end of the day really is the key. And if you can stand out in that way and be more creative, that is so important. The China Blue mentioned to me at one point that a documentary could actually be an alternative way to provide fans with multimedia content that's a bit different than what you would normally see. And actually, Heath240 discusses his plans right here for a documentary. I had come to the idea of doing this um, slightly, maybe a week or two before COVID, um, like was really a big thing. But um, so going into it, I was kind of like, at the time I was like, it was kind of more of a, uh, I'll get to it type of thing where it was like, I wasn't really focused on doing this. Like I had the idea, but I had nothing written down. I had nothing to go off of. But I was like, damn, when COVID started, I'm like, I have nothing but free time now. Like I'm currently unemployed, which I know a lot of people in my position who just graduated are kind of in that same kind of limbo stage where they're trying to find a job, but it's kind of super difficult right now. So I was like, damn, I have nothing but time right now. Let me write down a skeleton outline of the um, of the script. Had one of my friends who I actually went to high school with, uh, who's been doing film, Mike Noon. Half past noon is his thing. Um, and like had him come on board and like really help me like write it, write it because he went to school uh, for film and stuff like that. So he really knows like the ins and outs of this stuff. So we kind of sat down together, wrote a script and we were just basically going to, um, we're basically working on that now. We're trying to stay safe with the COVID stuff, but like we're working on that now. And I felt like that was going to be a great compliment to this music I want to put out because you can, everybody puts out music right now. Like since like everybody's at home, People are consuming YouTube, Spotify a little bit more still than they were before. Um, so like a lot of people, and a lot of people see it as a time, perfect time for, um, it's not the best time for a larger artist who's already established because, you know, they're making money off of touring and merchandise, all that, um, and touring's out the window. But it's perfect time for a smaller artist right now because there's more eyes out there who you could potentially hit, right? So, and a lot of people I see putting out music, it's like, okay, but how can I put out something that's more meaningful just than nine tracks or three tracks or whatever? I was like, damn, if I can put a, if I can make a story around the music, it makes it a little bit bigger than just songs. It makes it a story, it makes it a, it gives the character, it gives the songs more character, it gives it, oh, this song's about this, this song fits with this part of the story or the narrative that he's trying to tell. Kind of like, kind of like people have done it before. Like I know Donald Glover did it with, because of the internet. Even Tyler Crater on Igor was kind of doing a similar storytelling elements, but not necessarily with a short film, but his music videos kind of played into that world he was um, creating for himself. But um, that was kind of basically my idea about it. I'm like, hey, I have nothing but free time right now. I think it's the perfect time to kind of get experimental with things. So I thought this was also a great transition point how fans can help support artists and venues through this time. 
I just want to share some thoughts, you know, from everybody you've heard from from this episode today. Uh, you know, they had all had something to say about this, and uh, I want you to kind of hear through all their testimonies and their thoughts uh, about how you can support artists during this time, and also how you could potentially support venues that are failing and that are hoping to stay open. I still think that the best thing you can do for your music is write good music. Like, I'm still convinced. Like, if you have just that song that, if 10, like, 10 people resonate with it, like, super strong, and they show all their friends, and, like, I I still think that's gonna be more powerful than any money you throw at it, any, like, tactic that you do. Like, I still think, with all of the crap, having a good song is still, like, the number one objective. There's a book out there called A Thousand True Fans. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but if heard about it, yeah, yeah, basically the you know the the sentiment or the some like just kind of spark noted for you. The uh, essentially what it says is like you know if you have a thousand true fans, and what that means like you know a thousand fans that will like support you. Like so, for example, like Seth, if you dropped, you had a merch drop, right? Like let's say if it was a, a you know a T-shirt for fifteen bucks, like the a thousand those a thousand fans if they all bought that t-shirt right like but it's like but that's the goal is like finding those 1000 people Mm -hmm. that will always buy your shit every single time you drop and that's again that's not like a a difficult thing to sort of like replicate again and again and again but yeah have those like loyal loyal people that will no matter what like the rider dies that's all you need to, I guess, like, you know, make it or not, not make it, but to, to make a sustainable living, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's not even in just music. It's like kind of whatever you do, whether it's like, you know, you run a small business or, um, you know, anything like that. So, um, um, you know, it's, it's definitely like, I, I think that's a good, a good uh, sentiment to like kind of going off what you're saying, Seth. It's like, you know, you can focus on growing and, and, and growing your fan base, but you also want to focus on and cater to the people that have been supporting you mm-hmm. because they, you don't want to lose them too in the process of trying to gain yeah. up. Right? You don't want to ignore the people that are you know supporting you all the time while trying to chase others. You got to try to find that balance between the two. So just yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm just like, and with all of like the bad things with quarantine, I think, from one thing it's kind of put like it's kind of given a lot of artists the opportunity to just kind of take a step back and like actually focus on their craft slightly more like I've I feel like I've been more motivated in a way like with all the challenges I just want to just write music I care about and like that resonates with me and there's so much like going on like this stuff I want to talk about like this is all like inspiration. So there's yeah. there's I, there's always going to be challenges, and sometimes it's worse than other times. But I still feel like I don't know, like it doesn't make me like unmotivated because this is the like the only thing I care about. Like I've always been writing, so I'm still gonna write. I feel like kind of like what I said, and we're working on it currently. Like merch is gonna be the thing, and it, not just like t-shirts, like. No. Be like inventive about it. Like mm-hmm. I was thinking of doing lighters. I'll give that idea out. Like stuff like that. Like stuff that people might resonate with and like or like VHS tapes, like things like that. Like that's gonna be where money is. Yeah. But I would say like overall just in this time just focus on writing. Like write whatever's true to you. Like if anything, it's been a challenge to like 
be a more honest writer. Mm -hmm. And I think every, like every artist I've consumed and like been excited about, it's because of how honest they are. And I think there's always like a competition to like shoot for the top, but I think like it's the ones that are honest and creative and aren't like following the trends that are gonna, that's gonna be the real like hit, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, that's gonna do more than like trying to maneuver this weird environment because I think we all look at this point. Yeah. yeah. I think um a big thing too, like going back to like the uh the revenues and how people can support is like people don't really realize like outside of the music industry how much merch actually influences like income. Because um for example, like I know Chance the Rapper, well I've like I've watched countless interviews with a bunch of people about merchandise and stuff like that, but his hats alone have sold like I think like he had this time where he dropped like a drop with new hats, like a couple colors, and he made three plus million dollars off of off of hat sales. And I'm like, people don't really understand like how much of like an artist's income is based off of sponsors, is based off of brand partnerships or merchandise or touring and like selling out stadiums. Like it's not you're not gonna have like these people who are up in the top tier, like A1 um list artists like Russ right now, because he's in Forbes or um just these people who are making more money than just their deal like they're doing things outside of just making money off streaming um, yeah like i know russ is like a big example for me only because like I, i'm a huge fan of him and um the way he works his business um like like you were saying album sales like his tune core has got millions and millions of dollars and it's all his own catalog like he owns his own masters and that's like the biggest thing supporting your favorite artist is not as different besides like we're missing like shows like nobody can buy tickets and stuff like that but i think it still comes to the same things like merch like like cd sales like all those things because that's that's going straight to the artist and that's going to help them even if it's a little bit but like with quarantine it's still like not that different when it comes to like streaming because like an artist will get 0.07 of a cent for right. stream which like obviously that's still like i appreciate that and that's like amazing but it's like that's not that alone is not going to sustain somebody as like a career you know what i mean on spotify they have like a covid um i don't know what it actually is but i mean i'm gonna look it up real quick but they have like a, a button that you can like support like artists on on some of the Spotify pages um, that you can donate money to the artists. So they, that's just how like to help them out a little. Donate from afar is really all you can do. The artists, I would say, if you support the artists, I would just stream their music, buy their music, you know, um, buy their merch, do whatever you can do that way, help support something. And if you don't have any money, share something you know sh you know share something they put out but i'll do music share that like it what just something like that goes a long way too you know it's um any type of support helps doesn't always have to be financial super unfortunate about the whole venue thing like i wish there was a solution to playing shows like that's just sad like that's like half of the industry right there like there's no opportunity to like play shows like that's crazy and we don't know how long but I see a lot of artists going towards like pre-recorded live sets and stuff like that, whether on like YouTube or, I, I don't know if you've heard of like Audio Tree. Mm -hmm. um, 
like I, I feel like it's going that way where artists are gonna put out their own sessions that they probably like mix and produce but that might be like the closest thing to like a show for a while or like live stream shows and stuff like that I think like Instagram live streaming is just not quite there I agree just, yeah. it, it doesn't like it's just not a good representation plus like most people have bad internet I feel like to, unless you have like NASA Wi-Fi like it's just not a good experience but yeah, I, I feel like it's gonna go down that route for the time being. You mm -hmm. can add more, Tyler. Yeah, um, so it's kind of funny that you asked this question because me, Seth, and uh, our team were talking about it last night, actually, like um, up at his apartment in Providence, uh, solutions to trying to build content around concert type videos because obviously Seth's um, more of an artist who we love to get on stage. We love to have him play at venues because his music's very like dancey, very like, EDM almost inspired a little bit like with like the beats and the production and uh, so basically we we're gonna keep that a little in the down low in terms of, like what exactly we're gonna do because we don't want people out here stealing our ideas but um, there's just a couple of solutions like I know like I, for example there's a kid Contradash who's um, releasing music videos that like almost are like live shows but they're pre-recorded so um, we've thought about certain ideas like that like streaming on live um, on YouTube and kind of just like whether we go in like the woods and figure out a way to like get some internet connection out there um, or like go in like a lake and kind of like set up shop or do something where we set up like a live show pre-recorded with our videography team um, Mason Pimitel and Mackie McGuire and kind of be able to film a live show and give the people that authentic like live show feeling without actually having to have anybody at the venue at this point unless they like create a like virtual concert or something at that venue um to put on a twitch or something that would be pretty cool for like house of blues or like big night live to make some money or something you know um which i just thought about in my head right now <laughs> but um, um i just i don't know i i think that'd be the best way for a venue to probably make some income right now um, I'm not really sure if they're even making any income at this point or maybe like merchandise if they put out merch Maybe fans can buy into that or something to support them. So a lot of great amazing Information there and and really testimonies from these guys and I, I appreciate all of them coming on and, and giving me so much uh, Great content here, especially for not only fans, but artists as well so there's an article that I also read that had a, a quote from uh, G-Eazy. I'll, I'll also link that article in the description as well for you guys to read in full. But he basically says that this pandemic has affected so many different industries in different ways. At the end of the day, I'm just grateful that we can all at least still experience and consume recorded music. Some industries are shut down completely. Of course, I miss touring, and it's scary to think about how much longer we may have to wait until we can experience that again, added the rapper. So this is true, but I, I and I agree with everything that he is mentioning, but I don't know if he's considering it from the same perspective as mid to low tier artists and some of these smaller venues that, you know, help support them and give them a chance to get to a higher level that like G Easy has gotten to, you know what I mean? So for me it's like you know, when I think about this, uh, it, it's really more about helping, you know, the mid to low tier artists 
you know, not get phased out. And, and, and I think that they are really, and some of these, like I said, these smaller venues, they're really the backbone of the industry. And if we lose these, it's just losing opportunities for artists to be found and to take those next steps to get to the point of GEZ's talking about. So I'm not saying that GEZ's, you know, talking from a privileged perspective, but in a sense, there's, there's just so much more into it. I want to briefly come back to the Esquire article uh, that I was talking about a little bit uh, earlier in this episode. And they're talking about like how, you know, the res- end results of the pandemic could potentially be for some of these venues. So it says, uh, at first artists will block book venues that have survived the shutdown, but there may- might not be many left. The UK's club and gig venues have been shutting down at a horrifying rate since the Great Recession and COVID-19 could kill off many of those that have survived. Reports suggest that only 17% of grassroots UK venues are financially secure for the next two months, meaning that more than 500 concert venues might have shut their doors for good at the start of the lockdown. And I was certainly disheartened to hear and read how difficult it's going to be to keep venues open. Uh, you know, obviously some of the uh, some of the people I had just for this episode really didn't have a great answer for it, and it was a little bit disheartening to understand and and kind of come to that realization. And it just amazes me that you know how much the industry has now relied on touring. And it's really, in my opinion, I think a lot of it has to do with because of streaming. And uh, again, another quote here from, from Esquire as well. For an artist, money comes in cycles. So when they're writing and recording an album, their label advances them funds. And when it's released, there's a spike in proceeds, much of which flows back to the label to pay back the advance. They go on tour and play festivals, which brings in more money, as well as to sell a load of merch. Then the spotlight starts to fade, and then it's back to the studio with another advance to start the process all over again. And uh, there was another quote there I thought was really important. Live music just isn't the same without the sticky air, overpriced lager, and the sound system that rattles your insides. So I know people are trying to go off to the live streams, and, and that's all good and well, and, and I think it's it's been great to see that transition. But the article's right. Live shows really, there's nothing that's going to ever trump that experience. And it's really sad to see all of these venues potentially having to go. And, and you know, it was really interesting to read some of these resources because I'm learning a lot more about really the process of, you know, being an artist. Uh, you know, you have to get these advances in order to create your album and then, you have to go on tour to recoup the money. Like it's just, it's just kind of crazy. And and then especially for a low tier artist like McMahon, summer is when you make the bulk of your income because of course, like that's when a lot of shows happen. And then it goes on to state, warm weather means festivals, which can pay well and mean an artist can squeeze multiple gigs into a few days. They're also vital for finding new fans, which might stumble across an act they might not otherwise have heard, fall in love with, and you go buy a t-shirt and tickets to a tour. With all these shows gone, hundreds of thousands of artists are now wondering how they'll pay their bills for the rest of the year. And uh, so it's it's really just sad to hear, you know, like I said, that this is the way that it's going. So I really, maybe, you know, throughout this, this episode, you're probably thinking, you know, like, what can we do, right? How can we help? Uh, you know, first of all, if you want any of these resources that I've been talking about, as I've said a couple of times, they're linked in the description if you want to read more up on any of this stuff. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, or I should say about a month ago, we ran a uh, Save Our Stages initiative uh, from their website. We ran it on our uh, on our channel and uh, for about a week. 
and uh, tried to get some people to sign and donate, uh, sign, specifically sign petitions. And that is a great place to go to if you want to help out some of these venues. And if we can, you know, basically help our live music contain itself. Uh, so go to saveourstages.com to really, uh, you know, give as much as you as you can, as, as you feel that you, you have. I know it's a difficult time. You know, we're all thinking about how we're going to get out of this and see the other side. But if you are a music fan and you really, you know, are somebody that thinks it's important definitely even even just go sign that petition and uh you know it'll send an email to local representatives on you know potentially providing relief for some of these venues really the covid19 uh you know pandemic has impacted like most industries has impacted the music industry negatively and it's also really kind of exposed it for what it is so honestly you know i hope that from here we do better as a collective, as a collective industry, uh, and support the artists. Because at the end of the day, you know, when we were down in the dumps, stuck in our houses, we really turned to entertainers and we turned returned to artists, all kinds of art. And we really need to understand that it's so important to to support our local, national artists that we enjoy the most. And uh, so again, I want to thank everybody that helped me to compile and, and create this episode. I could not have done, have done it without all of you guys. So again, you know who you are. You guys saw who they were. I appreciate all of you. I thought I would end on a few noteworthy things that Hero said to me during my talk with him. The sky ain't the limit. I mean, you can you can do anything. Go to your park and shoot a video. You know, film a video in your back seat. It's just content is content. And it's it's always better to post something than, than to not. And um and just and just push it and treat it like treat it like it's the biggest fucking video ever and it will do great because of that thank you guys so much for tuning into today's episode i hope that this inspires you to go support and help your local venues and artists really no matter what city you're living in country whatever it is we our artists need us now they give us so much and again i want to thank everybody that helped me with this episode could not have done it without you we will be back each and every Wednesday with more Right Mind content. Check out some blogs coming up in the near future. Uh, every week, every Wednesday, a new blog or podcast episode in the Right Mind category section of our show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I am Mike with the Turntable Teachers, and class is officially dismissed. Turn to the